0: welcome to your favorite comic book channel cartoonist kayfabe my name is ed Piskor. i'm jim Rugg. we have jeff darrow in the house with a freshly baked shaolin cowboy cruel to Begin, hardcover off the top uncle jeff congratulations on this uh achievement the biggest shaolin cowboy story and story <laughs> massive massive <laughs> amounts of uh mark making to get this this comic yeah. to happen thanks for coming by jeff
1: Thank you for, for asking me and thank you for your kind words. You've always been very supportive and kind and really appreciate
0: And thank you so much for uh, asking us to do some covers for uh, this comic, man, a dream come true. Absolutely. Dream come true. I remember there was a time <laughs> when <laughs> there was a time when I thought Jeff Darrow was just a, a Frenchman in rural France who I would never ever get to rest eyes on, let alone actually talk to. And before cartoonist Kayfabe started, I would type in Jeff's name into YouTube, hoping for some kind of interview, something like something that could keep me company. And some of that shit's in French, and it made (laughs) and it made me so mad (laughs) because, like, the longest thing that was in English was like maybe like four minutes or eight minutes or something like that. Now we have a couple hours of conversation. Now we can actually talk to the man and and go through the works.
1: Well, they 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 did it some kind of a comic documentary, and and they did something with me, and they it was like a film and they they, they wanted they well, send us send us a photo of yourself i said i don't want to and i said well, well now nah, you don't need a photo they go, yeah I said, well do you got a cousin or something go, yeah Let's run a picture of your cousin and they did so I saw it <laughs> because i mean i i left home when i was 17 i went to art school and i in iowa i never went back and i had relatives that had because they had family reunions you know yeah and I never hated those things, never went to them. And so I had. I came from, my My mother had like 10 kids in her family. And uh, uh, everybody thought I was a myth because no one had ever seen me. <laughs> and when I went for my dad's funeral, people, they were coming to go, we never thought you existed. I was like, oh, man. I like the idea that I was like this mystical character in Iowa. Yeah, man.
0: You, know? you were definitely a mystical character to to, to young Eddie P and be, beyond just the actual person it's the artwork how does one person make one of these drawings yes let alone a book full of them or or like let alone a strip full of them let alone an issue full of them let alone a graphic novel full of them let alone many over a span of time i just don't understand it uh jeff we, we've we've uh been in touch Pretty reliably, uh, the past. You see on that
1: that last page. You yeah. see that last that that little that lady there on the on the right.
0: Yeah, taking her selfies or uh, snapping some pics.
1: That's my mother-in-law.
0: Is her name Annie?
1: Yes, because <laughs> she, she. I mean, she, she has no idea she's in this book because she t- cell phones just mystify her. Nah. And so I, I thought it was funny the idea that she'd be in the middle of it and be absolutely oblivious because she's trying to figure out. Just how to even turn the thing on.
0: <laughs> that's so funny because because you know like if it's a younger person that's somebody snapping pictures like help helping yeah. nobody but sna- snapping pics of the stuff. <laughs> I I wonder how much of that kind of kind of Easter egg is in this work, Jeff? Because I like I have my suspicions at
1: times for sure. Some, some yeah. I don't. Actually, I don't. I don't. I don't remember a lot of stuff. That yeah, sure. I draw, and when I ink it, I'm kind of like, God, what did I what what was that for? What was I thinking or not thinking? Would uh Absolutely not thinking. <laughs> this this is a COVID
0: project, right? Like, well, like when when lockdown yeah. was, was happening. I mean, this
1: is my, my COVID comic that I wanted so desperately at least to finish drawing it in pencil. Because if I thought if COVID got me, I'd have this for my, my wife and daughter, and they could, you know Ugh. they'd print, they'd get some money because I I I just thought, well, I was at that age where it's like, you know, whenever they they talk about if you're over, if you're over 65, your chances of surviving COVID, are, oh, man. I don't want to hear that shit uh, rather right than the middle of nowhere. we were pretty safe out here until the Parisians started coming out and then they were, they brought it with them
2: as damn Parisians. Jeff, damn does, do you scan the pencils of this? Do you have like a penciled version of this on? Uh, I in do. Your files? I
1: can well, I, maybe not. No, no, no. Actually, not this. No, the the covers I would do because because when I when I sent the art, I sent the all the artwork to Dark Horse because I didn't want to scan it. I think maybe I told you this because there's a place where I can scan it here in town. But I go in there a lot, and I thought they're gonna think I'm crazy or I'm like a serial killer because <laughs> there's, there's so much violent stuff in here, and I could because and they never say anything, but I could just imagine they like, go, oh, here's that that weird guy. With the accent coming in here with this you know because i'd taken all kind of you know people with heads cut off and all that stuff and and so i thought well i'm just going to send it all to dark horse which is really pretty stupid because i sent them by fedex and I knock on wood I, they, they didn't get lost but uh. i done, but i'm gonna because i mean dark horse is going to do a uh like one of those artist editions amazing um, yes but it's going to just be in pen the pencils
0: can't wait. Even, even cooler, man. What size so, is that book gonna be, dude? Like, cause you, cause you draw extra big. It's bigger than the ten by fifteen image area of a standard, you know, Marvel DC. Yeah, comic.
1: it's. I uh, I I started. I'm doing a, a new story, and I got tired. Ty- I thought, I started drawing, even larger, <laughs> and I measured the pages. There, I've only done like. Eight of them the size but they're like 42 by 62. wow what i think i'm gonna stop <laughs> <laughs> what they're not... almost like i think that was almost like hard-boiled size
0: is there a particular inspiration for for doing it at that size you're, you're getting even more detail in there or
1: my eyes i think yeah because I, I mean when you're when you're drawn you know in a, a small panel it's like you i don't know, like hand, you can't move around It's like right. Whereas when is a little bit larger. I feel like I'm like I'm like free range. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> Brennan McCarthy calls the wrist action, and and I totally I totally get that. Like you know you have to you get the crab claw hand if you're trying to get some of these Jeff Darrow details in a ten by fifteen type size, but you could move around a little bit more. I was going to guess either eyes or wrist would be the reason you, for. You know
1: I not I was going to knock on wood. The wrist thing I always when I when they started talking about that metacarpal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I oh
0: yeah.
1: I, I don't know how I've not gotten that, but I'm not going to it, that I haven't. But I have never had that problem. There is some. And I draw like a caveman, so I'm like.
0: Do you, uh, do you clutch on the on the page? I, I feel like with the stuff that you sent us, the originals and stuff like that that uh, that lead looked like it was pressed into that paper. Yeah, it pretty tough. A heavy heavy line.
1: Yeah. yeah. If you if you see especially because now I I, I started. Uh, drawing on, um, where well, you have it I, on, on one ply Bristol, mm-hmm. Strathmore, but I used to draw on two ply and those things are like engravings. I mean, you could like, uh, <laughs> you could put like a slot car in one of those things. Right. You know, it rates
2: <laughs> <brown>. <laughs> Jeff, when you're drawing that big, is the paper taped down to the drawing board or are you kind of moving it around as you're, as you're working uh, it's different It's generally
1: areas? taped down. It's generally taped down. Is
2: yeah. it, uh, um, like very, very steep? your the angle of your drawing yeah,
1: that's almost the angle or your arm was that's pretty it's yeah very straight maybe that's what saved my, my so far my wrist
0: Yeah, you know adams would always talk about like you draw with the shoulder like you don't draw with you don't you don't do this because this is this is how you get carpal tunnel just that repeated movement but like his thesis is like you draw what up here and you ink like that you know rather mm-hmm. that you like you basically keep the the wrist locked in a certain certain fashion
1: well, do you guys know any, any comic artists that have gotten that? I mean,
0: I do. Yeah. Oh, you know, really? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of, a lot of inkers get, we get um, that for sure. Yeah. The people I know that have like an arm pain or wrist pains,
2: they are very intricate, like pen inking mm-hmm. and doing just a lot mm-hmm. of really little detail, you know, with the pen mm-hmm. nib and uh, the pen nib is, is somewhat unforgiving. I'm surprised you haven't had trouble with it. Cause you do a lot of pen yeah, nib yeah. and that requires that pressure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I got, uh, I would go in and out and have just like little weird things happen, but ounce of prevention, pound of cure type thing. The second I start feeling a little th- something weird, like I, I got uh, thicker handles for for the nibs, and and I switched a marker uh, the the past couple of years to just make sure that things don't get uh, too too out of control.
2: Whenever I quit my day job, I started using a, a wrist stabilizer to sleep in. Yeah, I still Totally do that. preventative. Yeah. And uh, knock on wood, I haven't had any trouble. But I also thought the other thing you could do is uh, soak your, your wrist, your hand in ice water. Like at the end of the day, like an athlete would do just to remove inflammation. I haven't actually done that, but it's in my bag of tricks of like if the pain flares up or if you you know, it's probably another one of those preventative things to do. Yeah.
0: yeah. And shout and out to Jeff Smith because when, when, when we visited him at Cartoon Books like a decade ago, you know he went through a ter- he's, he's a guy who went through a yeah. terrible bout of that uh, when he yeah. was finishing up uh the bo- the bone series. And mm-hmm. uh, he told us a story of his wrist was so jacked that he couldn't even make a fist. so he could he could clench, you remember this, right? Mm-hmm. He could clench enough to hold a tennis ball. So he jabbed his you know Raphael brush through oh a tennis God. ball and inked some of the comic holding this tennis ball with a brush sticking out of it. Until Vijaya like just walked by, and saw him doing that, and was like, "Put it down right now! Like we're going to the doctor." And he gave us like all these exercises to do, to just kind of uh, main- maintain, to make sure that you don't get jacked up.
1: Now I understand that Miyazaki had has a lot of problems, and he had full time acupuncturists at the studio, and they would he'd have like needles in his hands while he's drawing.
0: He, he believes in the movement. And like when you watch that documentary, there, there's like uh, the required exercise times. You know, like the like the alarm bell goes off and everybody, it's like pencils down and they're all doing helicopter motions and stretches and things before they uh, get, get back to business. Jeff, let's look through this comic. Let's talk. Let's talk. Talk it up this a bit. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Cafe Patreon. Uh, there are three levels of support. At our Patreon, and the King Cafebers get access to our live stream recording sessions. Uh, that make it possible to mitigate the kayfabe effect. They also get the videos before anybody else so make sure uh, you uh, support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel and get that early access. Ultimately the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. You're looking at a healthy sample of our bibliography right in front of you. Jimmy's next book is going to be Street Angel Princess of Poverty. It's coming to you in November. It's going to be a companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Scroll Alive in that it collects all of the uh, material that was published prior to the image comics release jimmy also has hulk grand design out there in the wild limited copies available make sure you get your hands on that as soon as possible and uh the latest comic that jimmy has right now which is sold out but he is he has promised to uh reprint this thing true crime funnies 3 nonfiction stories including uh, one that has a little something to do with some wrestling Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you in October, just in time for the holidays, collecting all four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree with 150 pages of additionals. Also for the holiday season is X-Men Grand Design Trilogy, which is going to include the out-of-print X-Men Grand Design works that I put together, about a 250-260 page trade paperback. Red Room is the current focus. Two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there right now. The comic I'm putting out these days is Red Room Crypto Killers. It's going to be four issues total. Three issues are out right now. The centerpiece uh, for issue three, the backup feature, includes the first appearance of the characters that I'm using in my daily strip which I'm serializing on my Patreon. Tom's in the house with us this round. He's got the hardcover I Am Stan coming to you sooner than later. I believe it comes out in September. We did a big video on this, and you guys showed up in a big, bad way and, and uh, started to do your pre-orders. Make sure you get your hands on this. This is a definitive documentary on Stan Lee. And uh, the paperback version of his Jack Kirby biography are com- is coming out uh, sooner than later as well. Now that we're done paying the bills, back to the video uh we got the komodo dragon fight uh the these komodo dragons they they recognize the red shirt cowboy from uh <laughs> from uh days of your childhood yeah <laughs> and the the cowboys are pretty silent fellows so this is an opportunity to get some some back and forth
2: how do you yeah. learn about komodo dragons to put them in here is this like something out of a nature a national geographic special you're like you know what yes
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> And, and I, I, I actually in the book I mentioned, and I, it must have stuck in my head, but uh, when I was working on The Matrix, the art director, he this Australian gentleman named, um, named Hugh Beta, he said, well, you know, I have an idea, you can do me a t-shirt of like a, a Kung Fu fighting Komodo dragon. And I did the drawing from him, and this was years ago, and then I've been putting these Komodo dragons in the background in the, in the previous book. And uh, when I was coming up with this, I thought, I was trying to think of what I could do. And maybe I'll, oh, I'll I'll have him fight a dragon, And I didn't remember, you know, it was one of those things that probably filtered through the granite of my conscious enough to where it became my idea. And then I was like, oh, man. So I wrote to him, I said, gee, you know, I I think I swiped your idea. And, oh, that's okay. But uh, I just thought it was, I don't know because i only want i wanted to do a real simple comic and put him in the desert and he'll he will have just a fight with his dragon and then i'll be done i'll get one get one out real quick and then as it moved on i kept thinking well i don't know there's not really a lot going on he's just fighting this thing and people are going to think i'm lazy and you know, i should add a little bit more so it's a little so weirder was, than...
0: so with that in mind would would these pages up front have come later
1: Oh, no 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 they because they, I had no idea what I was going to do but I thought I, I just knew I had to set let people know that he was still in the city because it takes it starts right after the last book right and um and so I thought, well I I'll, I haven't done a drawing of the the city and I hope I, I don't think I mentioned it in there I like the uh, the idea that it's a my mind it's a small American town right just because, you know, and here in France everybody, but when Americans say it's a small town by French standards, it's, you know, it's a bustling metropolis. Right. But, uh, yeah, because we really don't have that many towns that would be like that, but so I did that. And then I think, well, oh, then I came up with the thing that supposedly came up with it with the fighting the dragon. And I'd seen, like you say, Jim, I'd seen a National Geographic special. they talking about Komodo dragons. And how the mother has to protect the eggs because the father will eat them because they're they're uh, rivals for the limited amount of food in the area. And I'd always been friends with Andrew Vax, who had always talked about family of choice—that you can pick your own family. You don't have to necessarily, uh, you know, if you're from an abusive family, you can. Blood doesn't have doesn't mean you have to be with them. And uh, my own work with it. Oh, I'm going to put that in a comic book, so it's kind of a weird homage goodbye to to my friend.
2: It's a great you know, casting of it. Shaolin as a hero without getting into like any kind of real sentimentality. You know, it's almost incidental that, oh, by the way, he's saving this Komodo dragon baby. <laughs> you know, it's almost secondary in a way to uh, to Shaolin Cowboy just being cool and doing Kung Fu and having this great fight sequence. But it's also very classic, like, good guy, bad guy setup. You know, it's very easy to, to side with him whenever you have that as, you know, the
1: the baby. And it's also it's also the lone wolf, you know. Right. The, the thing. I mean, that whole idea, you know. We... So some
0: years back i during covid uh we chatted chatted with peter chung uh, but maybe it was the the last time we talked to him we talked to him a few times the creator of aeon flux and he's been getting into this space of teaching people you know he's he's a mentor to 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 many uh a, at this point and he's very very um dogmatic in his thinking like when he yeah. talks to us he's the, he's the guy who like when he talks to us he's like very often, people think this, this, this. That is wrong. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and, then he, and then he'll describe his thing. And one of the pieces that he mentioned, uh, I, probably last time, was when he has board artists working. Uh, he says, like, if you make everything interesting, then nothing is interesting. you got to have, like, moments of pause and stuff like that. This flies in the face of that 100%. And uh, can prove his... Dogmatic thinking, a little bit wrong, in my opinion, because I had a freaking great time reading this. I couldn't wait to turn the page to see what new atrocities, monsters, animals, cityscapes—just visual eye candy—you were going to present to us. Because you didn't have to do all this, like you didn't have to do all this work. You could have had five, six characters, and and you know that we would have been satisfied. But then they're fighting on top of like skeletons of giant. Dinosaurs and things when you have your Komodo dragon as a care as character Do you know have to because we see this this Komodo dragon twisted up in a million different ways? What kind of reference do you
1: have? Uh, I got these little tiny rubber. I right? like a little from Japan from those gashapons. I have a little Kyoto Kyoto one and uh, I actually have like I had like a rubber I um, a rubber chameleon kind of a thing. And I would just kind of twist it every once in a while to see how the, you know, I mean, so it's like kayfabe sort of stuff. I, mean, yeah. I, I think no that's no- the first time I've used the word kayfabe. Yeah. <laughs> that, that word so, I still don't understand it. We're going to isolate
0: uh, that clip and use it at the beginning of our weeklies. <laughs> I, when it comes to reference, it, it is something I'm so curious about because you just, everything you draw feels feels right. So when I see this parasol and I see it in a million different angles and I see that the mechanics of it work, like, do you have like an umbrella that you're looking at? I got
1: one of those tiny little ones that come with the drink. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Cause it, you know, I mean, and every once in a while, I'm not quite as anal with it in this one. Cause it's like, oh God, you know, cause that's super complicated. Even on one of those, because they're just, you know, it's a pretty amazing little, little device, the, the, the parasol and um you know so yeah. that helped a lot and that 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 whole parasol the parasol and the he's wearing like a poncho that's all reference to when i was a kid the clint eastwood man with no name movies came out and i didn't see them when they came out and i kind of like oh i really wanted to see him and oh you know and they but they were gone from the theaters and they came up with these like Actually, he's one of the producers of The Beatles. I think it's Alan Klein. I think he was their manager. He, there was this American guy who made these series of movies called The Stranger. And it was just basically the man with no name. Except he wore kind of a blanket instead of a, a... And he had a parasol. And so I thought, oh, this is kind of like a spaghetti Western um, homage. And so that's why those are in there.
0: Jeff, I linger on this spread because it reminds me of a photograph you sent me yesterday. Can you explain uh, to, to the people what, the, what, what that was and what the plans for that might be?
1: Well, yeah, I, I ride my bike and I ride. I live in the country and I was riding this almost a year ago. It's the anniversary. This uh, <laughs> this thing on the side of the road. And I go by it and I go, I go, I saw it was a dead animal. I go by it and I go, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe the bones are still good. So I rode back to it. And this thing. Was I thought it had been dead for it must have been dragged off and or dragged out of the brush by some animal? Because I figured it had to have been dead for like months, because it was just the skin and the bones, and you could pick it up by the tail like a skillet. And uh, <laughs> had some hair. And, oh. and I looked at it. Go, oh, hmm. I don't want to take the whole thing, because then it really smelled. So, so I ride my bike home and I get a hatchet and I go back <laughs> and even then I couldn't, have I'm, I'm chopping on this thing and I'm hoping no one comes by, I wanted to get the head and I got the head, you know, and it smells, and I get it in a bag and I got gloves on and, and I take it home and uh, about a week after that, my wife says, oh, there's a dead badger or <laughs> another one, wow, and I go in, here's this badger and it's dead and I like, oh, it's too bad. And, um, I go home, and I come back about three days later, and my wife, is said, you know, that badger, it's just covered in maggots. I go, ooh, so I ride my bike over there, and the maggots, like in three days, had decimated this thing. So that other one had only probably been dead a week. How fast those things can devour. And this thing, the skull's almost completely cleaned out, so I get my hatchet again. (laughs) And this time I got and I got these bones and I put them in a bucket. I, I put pour boiling water in there, and and bleach. And for about a year, I've been doing that for about a year. And I sent out a photo of my bucket of badger bones. There's, there's vertebrae and there's claws and there's, but they're really great for drawing because I mean you can look at them and you can get ideas for monsters and and just uh, spaceships and because there's all these weird weird. Angles and they look like architecture like the eye sockets and stuff. So yeah, no, that's what I was So it's they're about done. I can take them out of the bucket. I was letting them I was letting them bleach in the Sun
2: Um, one of the one of the things I admire Jeff in your work is how much everything fits together You know, it feels like there could be a real version of this There could be a 3d version of this and I was looking at this sequence right where he goes over the skeleton and then we're inside of the skull and then he kicks the skull in order to close it on that pterodactyl. And I wonder if that's something that you come up with as you're drawing this. You know, like like you're sort of seeing the physical space and going like, oh, okay, it would work this way. Like this this would make sense based on that previous spread. Is that something that you're kind of improvising as you go along?
1: Yeah. I mean, I know because I, I, I keep thinking with this thing, oh, he's going he's to get attacked by this you know pterodactyl and it's going to fly off and like, what can i have him do and, and i thought no maybe there's like a skeleton in the middle of nowhere and then even then i thought i don't you know it'd be funny if he like like those cartoons and then you know, you'd see that you would hear like a xylophone music yes. as they go across <laughs> the back of the thing that's what i hear i never put sound effects in sound effects in anymore because i think people can make up for themselves i think in my head i hear them so maybe people don't but And so they i had no idea how am i going to get you know get rid of this terror how is he gonna i mean i could have had him shoot him because he's got a gun but i thought well it'd be funny if he it's it's sort of a buster keaton even jackie chan kind of a thing where you you walk into a room or you're in an area and you go oh what can i do with thing the objects or the the decor that's in in that that particular place and then you
2: it makes for a very fun read. Like earlier, whenever the Komodo dragon fight happens and and Cowboy cuts his tail up, we see the baby Komodo dragon then start eating a piece of the tail, like attracted to its smell. And it just feels like, uh, you know, you say Buster Keaton, but it feels like that, like a very physical comedy. Uh, you know, just an awareness of kind of the physical elements that you've composed here and what can you do with those? You know, it, it makes a lot of sense as a reader, but it's something that I think separates an artist who's <laughs> writing a story from a writer who is writing
1: a
0: comic. Right. I
1: don't know if it makes any sense, but uh, <laughs> I'm always I was waiting for someone to come up and go, well, you, you know, the Komodo dragon. We wouldn't be found in that type of area because... Oh, well,
0: but... no, well we'll get comments. I'm sure people are very, very excited too. Uh, even the birds that, that have been, you know, Chekhov's birds, like you, you build the birds in early. The bird scene in here... And I don't want to get too far ahead of anything
2: but it's one See, of the great moments in any comic I've
1: read yeah no now these pages are my homage to the Wachowskis yeah actually because in the middle of a desert and there's a guy selling sushi which is like the probably the a really terrifying thing to me Because you imagine yeah. the smell
0: right <laughs> and how long
1: those things would stay fresh Yeah. yeah. all this is running through my head while I'm drawing this stuff and you know of course you can get guns and ammo and sushi and and but when they were doing the Matrix, uh, they were putting a lot of tropes in it that would let you kind of know that that it was not a real world because you see all these uh, stereotypical things. And when they had a chase at one point, a car crashes into a fruit stand, and that was because that and that's just part of cinema. They always have to in a chase they'll hit a whether it's a newsstand or a fruit stand or or vegetable stand. And they had actually wanted me to be the guy in the fruit stand. <laughs> But i don't want to go anyway so i put that in there because i always remember them and i put that in there as sort you of know, i don't i don't even read these anymore
0: But be- beautifully uh, cinematic piece man because like like uh, when you bring that up i, I think of uh, terminator 2 where there's like a car chase on on a proper road and just like there's some vehicle that's like one of those remodeled homes that's be- that's being transported or something like that and that thing gets jacked <laughs> and you just know that the only reason it's there is for the shrapnel of it which actually speaks to you know, in getting to know you, Jeff, and like I'll I'll send you some some drawings that, that I'm working on uh, every now and then and you'll always have the greatest suggestions of how how to like add movement and things in the drawings. And very often it's like smoke, liquid, you know, if, if you're smacking somebody in the face, have some spit come out in, in mm. the proper arc and stuff and, and you mm. see that a lot mm. in uh, these pages. A lot of directional devices to to convey those those movements and stuff
1: the coloring on that car i was just absolutely astonished that he put that rust on that thing It's like oh my god the amount of jesus christ man. yikes yeah I man. If you like it, i mean I, I like it you've
2: worked with dave stewart a lot now it's it's been years that you've been working with him do you give yeah, him notes yeah. or do you guys talk about
1: no you no get i just give it to him. we talked in the very beginning when he was going to do do it and i said to him uh he said, "What kind of colors do you like?" And I sent him a couple. I sent him a book of uh, Hokusai and uh, 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 Kimiotski and uh, Yoshitoshi. I, I like the color palette of the woodblock prints, the Japanese woodblock prints. Right. And also the Russian artist uh, Bilaban. who does the Russian uh, fairy tale books. Uh, Stories of Baba Yaga and and, and the colors—it's really beautiful. And um, I sent him those. And I said, "This is what I like," and he just did it. I all I ever generally have to say is every once in a while, I go that see that little triangle next to that finger—that's actually should be the color of his undershirt. That's not skin, and not even that often. And I always go, "Can you add a little more blood?" <laughs> <laughs> make it a little darker. Cause I mean, some of that blood, he just goes in, there, I go like, could you put some bl- blood stains on his pants? And that's about it. We'll ask like, sometimes we'll ask about what color do you think the monster should be? Like the one in this one I got, I think, cause he's a racist. I, go, I think he should be really like white. Like he crawled out from under a rock. <laughs> I'm on the title page here
0: because uh, it takes, it takes a village to color a different Aaron. comic yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. we got a handful. Of yeah. uh, color flatters that that Dave Stewart presumably employs to yeah. just kind of uh, block out these fields of. And uh, I,
1: I said, give them credit. I said they deserve credit because <laughs> they, you know, I've been told that they said somebody told me that if if you ever asked, do color Jeff Darrow say no, Flat and <laughs> stuff? Like that. But I, but I, but you know, I talked to Dave and um, I took less money up front, and so that the. Flatters could get paid more and they, they really like doing them now. That. So that's what, That's what he tells me. And so
0: here's the bird sequence It's that, not it's... That, that rivals the, the chainsaw sequence, uh, in the previous works.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of the things, first off, there's so much storytelling that's going on here. You got birds flying through the parasol, then in the next panel, getting their heads cut off the parasol gets destroyed more and more each panel and like the damage is always the same plus more. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's so, uh, so it's intricate.
1: Buster it's Buster Keaton. It's like, start out small and just add more and add more and add more to the... have you ever seen, I think it's Seven Chances where he, uh, have you ever seen that one? Mm-hmm. Buster Keaton? Oh my God. It, one of the famous scenes is one where he's running down a hill and this boulder starts rolling and then another one and then and there's like thousands of boulders chasing him down a hillside it's just amazing he's a guy and if anybody wants to draw comics you can learn so much from watching a Buster Keat movie because it's all silent yeah. and his storytelling is just amazing like he, in that same film he he needs to marry a woman by 12 o'clock or he'll lose all his inheritance. And so he puts out, he can't find a woman who will marry him. And so he puts an announce in the paper and says, show him at the church at, at, you know, 11.55 and blah, 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 blah. And he goes to the church and there's no one in there. And he gets kind of bored and he kind of falls over and he falls asleep and you see him. And then when he sits up, the whole church is full of women of all shapes and sizes. And they all want to marry him and they start chasing him. It's an amazing movie, that kind of thing, I guess, but, Buster Keaton, Jackie Chan, all those guys, all those you, you, Wu Ping, all those guys love, love Jackie or uh, Buster Keaton.
2: The, the
0: sword fight versus the bird with the two small knives, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in any comic ever. You know what's that... what, what's great too is when when Jeff was making the, these pages, it's sort of when we or maybe when this came out, we covered a um, art of Arzak homage book or something and we were talking about how somebody drew the birds eric channel i want to say i think it was brian talbot if we're we're gonna be naming names (laughs) (laughs) but um all the birds were of various sizes Mm -hmm. but none were overlapping wings
1: i remember that and it looked
0: inherently so wrong it was something that we talked about because uh to like produce that kind of chaos uh it's it's hard to do when drawing because you, you want to compose things good, but like in order to compose things good, when it comes to a real flock of birds, there has to be that overlap. And, uh, and then, you know, we see your example after that and it's like, well, this is how, how it's done. Yeah. It's so chaotic.
1: And it's, it's, it's because, you know, I did this bird and oh, it looks pretty good. I think it's okay, but it looks flat. I gotta put another one there. Oh, but then I gotta erase that wing that I thought that, that looks good. And then I gotta put another one over that and cover up the. <laughs> it's
0: it's astonishing how well you draw animals and and how you just in, will incidentally like put them into your works. You know, like very often when a cartoonist when they're very proud of the cat they drew or something, it's almost a highlight of of a panel or something. You know, it's almost a featured piece. But uh, just in the backgrounds and things, you'll see these beautifully posed bulldogs and, you know, we got a damn featherless chicken running around and it all feels three dimensional. It all feels solid. It's just it's really remarkable.
2: Yeah, it even has like the gizzard, you know, that that part in the chest between the chest and the neck there that you believe is anatomically correct for a chicken right i think of these chickens though uh you know with no feathers it's almost like a dinosaur it's a totally great monster design
1: because my wife was making chicken and i'm looking at it and i started playing with this thing i go god this thing can make a great one because god it looks like a dinosaur i mean it is then realize you know that they they were birds and man so yeah Yeah. because the wings they're just so funky it's and the texture it's just they're really disturbing.
0: Would but... you ha- would you have uh, before you know your wife put the pot on or whatever? Would you take a bunch of pictures of?
1: I took a couple of pictures of because I wanted <laughs> to get the texture. So, and at one point, I just like went out and bought a rubber or, or, or a, a chicken, and I'm looking at the thing. <laughs> it was my chicken, and I'd keep it, put it in the freezer, and I'd take it out and look at it. And I I mean, you know, I, I'd wash my hands because the thing must have been like a, a salmonella. B- Capital of Chicago while I was there because I, I had that thing for so long. I don't, I don't know if it was a chicken or if it was a. Because I went to. Because I couldn't find one with the head. I went to a, a Chinese um, you know, supermarket and you can find them frozen there. And that's where I, I found one. And I, I think it might be like a. What I was looking at was a. Like a. A quail or
0: a. That was one of the noteworthy things. When, when we were out there in, in Tokyo, Jeff, uh, just noticing like you were getting those gachapons that would be very beautifully um, sculpted that look like legit turtles and, you know, animals like this. It just seemed like you always have the uh, the reference part of your brain on uh, when you're on the hunt or when you're just out and about. That's yeah. amazing too.
1: Yeah. And this is my Spider-Man, uh, Steve yeah. Ditker. Absolutely,
0: right. with the big machine uh, on on top yes. of Spider Man. In in this case, a big featherless chicken. Plus, you got the flying guillotine. Yes, which God, is
1: that movie. that movie that movie terrified me. I couldn't watch it because I, I think it was the first time they used. I, I'd ever heard any kind of techno music. It was German techno. Before it was techno, its the soundtrack is really weird
0: yeah man and that I'd was...
1: play it every time he'd take that thing off and i was terrified oh god he's gonna throw that thing <laughs> the whole idea just something flying through space and landing on your head out of the blue and cutting it off it's such a stupid thing
0: it's very visually beautiful though man
2: does music inform your thought process when you're writing a, putting together a story like this
1: when i'm drawing it because i i'm like you guys i can't i can't listen to music or anything when i'm like writing the dialogue and sure although it might not seem like it but it's it's hard writing i think is really hard because people say oh, i'm not a writer so but what little i do is writing it's it's to me it's very hard it's like a different mindset i mean with the drawing i can just i'll listen to you know certain kinds of music i you know put on television i'll watch I like to watch bad movies. Sometimes I'll have like some goofy kung fu movie on because I just like to listen to the dubbing. It's so, it's so funny to me.
0: Almost every novelist whose approach I heard them speak about, uh, it's about four hours a day is is really what they what they can put into to the craft of putting together a novel or something. It's it's not like how certainly the inking part of a of a job like you could just do that from sunrise to sunset right but i think a lot of writers they they get a lot of their most meaningful work done in in a way more condensed period of time than we're used to when it comes to drawing a page of comics this is just
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> yeah
0: it just if it's so surreal and and i do wonder how how much you think ahead of time before you start drawing this stuff because it's a series of like left turns That just, like, when you don't think it could go any further, you turn the page and it does. And it really rewards that kind of reading. And and it rewards that kind of close reading. You know, like, you could easily sort of bypass the little bird sword fight with uh, Swiss Army knives. (laughs) You could dash past that as possible. But then it's just because you're noticing some other atrocity on the page.
2: This is such an insane design. Yeah, dude. (laughs) So over the top. It feels like it's something we shouldn't be allowed to show on here. Right, but I, 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 but I you would look uh, at it, and look at it, and it's like I don't know. It, it's not really violating anything.
1: No, it's you know,
0: <laughs> my imagination, maybe, but <laughs> a,
1: a literal, a, a literal, literal, little general. You
0: know. <laughs> Jeff, how long do you think this, uh, this story took you to complete?
1: I'd, I'd like to a couple years, maybe.
0: And breaking it down, does a does a page take a a week
1: to do? You no, know, sometimes. Well, actually, depending on like these, I could probably do it like three of them in a week. It was when I when it later on when it gets into the city, then it was like oh my god.
2: There have been a couple pages where an image crosses like the spread. Are you drawing these pages like as spreads, or you or you thinking yeah. about the spread?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah for better or for yeah I was yeah. when it, I pro- it
0: when it crosses the spread does that mean it's like one bigger piece of paper
1: or do no you- it's like one one sheet of paper generally yeah it's like a whole sheet of Strathmore and, and, and a page it's not like like I cut a sheet of Strathmore in half I've never used a, I've never I'm, no one has even ever offered me paper like Dark Horse has their comic they've never even offered it to me not that I would use it, but uh, I think maybe once Marvel, one of those said, can we send you some paper? And I, I was like, no, well, that's
0: okay.
1: <laughs> I, 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 not, not that I'm anything against it. I just know that I wouldn't draw it that size. Right. And just the idea of having that uh, those things drawn out, like I'd feel like I'm, I was in a pen, yeah, like it's a fence.
0: Right. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of pros, they, they uh, dislike the uh, the box, the rectangle.
1: I, it, it, I feel confined. Here's my. This is where I got. I was getting bored, and I thought, people are going to be bored with this thing, and I just thought, what if I just drew a bunch of stuff I wanted to draw? Which I always do anyway. But like different things, like oh, you know, for guys, and you see, there's a robot and monsters and giant, and yeah. I would only have to draw them once, especially right. this thing on the right page. The uh, you know what it's called, the uh, the nomad. Yeah. Right. I do have to draw that thing once and then I can in, in text, you know, explain kind of.
2: It's an amazing design. <laughs> I, I lost it when I was reading this and, and came to this page. Like you turn the page and see this and it is just, we talk about eye candy. Yes. It is eye candy to the nth degree.
0: When we were at Tokyo Comic-Con, Jeff was drawn on the placemat of the table and it was something kind of approximating this in a way, like it was this big giant thing that had like globes with with fish swimming it, swimming it in like these aquariums that were just, like stuck to it, and such so this big super giant thing. It was so cool to watch because because it, it was just it was just flowing. Jeff, he wasn't looking at anything, dude. And it was no, balanced it and stuff because it wasn't anything. <laughs> oh man, that thing was that was a, an amazing thing to experience. That was probably like a highlight of my trip. It's fascinating to me to see
2: the texture that's implied there without like usually texture is achieved through shading and kind of cross hatching and different yeah. methods. And it's like this one feels very textural. Like I can almost picture that that white surface versus some of the mechanical engine right. pieces behind. And yet it's not from rendering or anything. Like it's it's really interesting that you're able to get these different textures without, you know, resorting to a lot of heavy shading and cross hatching and things.
1: Remember, I drew this, I just We'd finally, were able to move into my house. I live in now, but the uh, <laughs> all my stuff was still in boxes in the garage, because I had to have my office built in a, 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 a small building on the side. So I was drawing in the living room, but I just remember drawing those.
0: <laughs> and
1: I always, I'd always wanted to draw kind of a a big lizard. I don't know, I don't, that first panel. But I did like I really my, my like that that giant Buddha head with the little guy inside.
0: Yeah, man. Hey, Jeff. When we go to Japan, it's we goofy. can go to uh, Kamakura and, and go visit the Daibutsu.
1: That that giant statue.
0: Yeah. And, because
1: I I they, they when I, when I was there a couple of years before that they said where would you like to go the the, the guy that ran Madhouse and I because I used to go buy that thing on the train I want to see that big Buddha statue or whatever it was and they took me to this place but it wasn't that one it was like another one that you can go inside of and yeah. like go into the head
0: yeah that's the one
1: but there's another one, it's like this giant statue that you can see from the train and that one i still haven't gotten it, because it's just fun i like cool. the idea of being able to go into buddha's head
0: yeah totally. look you through his
1: eyes it's like so this house this is how buddha sees <laughs> it
0: right yeah like We went to check it out and looked at it and somebody said yeah you could go inside of it they took the money but the eyes part was was cut off like like you can only go to the belly yeah i was very offended all right back to the city now this is the stuff where it's just like how how do you do one page of this let alone Mm -hmm. you know we're just basically halfway through the comic and also another noteworthy piece of a jeff darrow comic is lettering like the signage has great lettering but it's also that bill elder like chicken fat right. of like extremely funny punny uh little tidbits that that reward
1: cl- close close looking yeah i i do that like in this because I, I thought it tells you the character of the city and what the, the, the environment that he's in is like, it's all sex and guns and food, which is kind of everywhere, I guess. But...
0: And it's raw, man. Like, like it's, it's pretty freaking hardcore.
1: It's not a pleasant place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but I feel like your humor style is, is that way just in general, in, in a way like, uh, you know, you made a couple of waiters laugh, by by knowing uh, certain ter- words for genitals and japanese and yeah. things yeah
2: I Love he calls him new
0: dad right <laughs> i don't know why but and, that always gets me me too and and, <laughs> and also suggesting that he's an it <laughs> like it's not a human it's not a man it's not a it's a it's it
1: now because actually this is, this is this is this is the third book this is like for me it was a trilogy and this is the conclusion of it and you see that because of these two knuckleheads that are there. They're from the from the first Dark Horse uh, comic, the right. uh, Shemp Buffet. But they yeah. I finally go, Well, I'm trying to figure out how to end this thing. <laughs> and I thought, well, I would bring those guys back and they were goofy.
0: Yeah, real Keystone cop kind of kind of characters. The apartment is incredible. It's uh, almost like nearly like a like a zoo, like a zoo display.
1: Yeah, because I thought that they would, you know, that they would, they're no longer living in, um, where did, in Sumatra, I think that's where the Komodo dragons are, so I thought that they would hire somebody to paint their apartment to make it seem like they're still living in Sumatra. That was my thinking. So
2: funny. Yeah, it's a great interior design (laughs) joke. (laughs) It speaks to your level of cartooning, though, just having that kind of thoughtfulness. Yeah. And I feel like this book is full of those examples. Oh, constantly. You know, you've got to draw a setting let's think about it for a few minutes you know
1: now now if you if you go back a page yes now that guy in the last panel on the right that's the guy that gave me the idea for the komodo dragon that's hugh beta Uh, he's this australian um art director yeah that's funny he he
0: he felt like a solid felt like a solid character it's incredible the contrast between the desert and the city absolutely yeah, it certainly helped out with uh, the color. Uh, Dave Dave Stewart's palette, building building the relationship between the cowboy and the dragon family, in order to build up to their decimation, is one of those extremely funny pieces because you you feel for them. Oh yeah, you know, like uh, they're just trying to get by. They're just trying to do their thing. It's great characterization. It is, and it's also it speaks oh. to the surreal
1: and he, he you know he he gets him killed <laughs> right he saves him but he's also he saves him in the beginning but he's also responsible for it like i remember i drew i remember i I started this thing uh and then i went to work on the matrix the the fourth film and a couple of these pages i drew on the weekends i would go in the office and work on my comic because it was such a different uh, mindset you yeah. drawing the Matrix stuff and then drawing that stuff that I didn't have anybody to tell me what I had to do. And I drew this. And I remember this for myself. I mean, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I, this the sequence with a gun is one of my favorites because it's so fucking stupid. It is. It's fact, great. fact, you could twist it back into shape and it would still work. Right. I think, it, <laughs> I think it's funny. But, you know. and this next page, this is a page I had to add. This wasn't in the original. I had to put like a page between because I don't like there to be like a, a blank page. Yeah. I wanted to be one. So I added that. And I,
0: you added it to the tr- to the paper, to the collection.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a new one. <laughs> there's actually, there's another, a new page earlier on in the, in, in, their, in, in the book too that I had to do, but otherwise it all kind of ran together. There's this guy Hugh baited comes back again.
0: And he's the fella that, that gave the bomb to uh, the cowboy to deliver. So we gotta get him back. Once yeah. once we see this old fella looks pretty close to that guy that we saw earlier in the desert, you know, you know you're in for some trouble. Some revenge is gonna have to occur.
2: That stomach middle finger tattoo on him is a really funny little uh, <laughs> subtle design.
0: This is what I mean too, man. You got these dogs fucking... And... It's, it's not an easy thing to draw, but it's there.
1: Why would you want to? <laughs> I draw these things. I go, ah, there's nothing interesting in this drawing. I go, other than, yeah, yeah dog screwing. You know. <laughs> that, 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 that's something everybody likes. <laughs> Frank I guess I've said this before Frank was always misread by with dogs crapping and that he would just that just really bothered him <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I you know I often think going through these pages while while reading this comic I I often thought that the mindset must have been like let's push it further like let's make this drawing even more over the top because that's what you you just you just add more and more stimuli to these pages and if people aren't abundantly uh clear on what i said earlier about the going to get flying in the face of that peter chung stuff i mean come on like we've given you many many visual 130 pages of visual aids to show you how this thing just ramps up more and more and more and it just it's relentless it never stops the ability to
2: choreograph the stuff in space is just it it blows my mind. I don't know how you can
0: keep that space clear right across a scene of this size. Right, because Jeff is changing the rooms and the posters are oriented in the exact same spots. Yeah, is that do you put that together like in a sketchbook or as thumbnails to just kind of keep it straight? No, or...
1: oh, I just as yes, I you know when you draw it once and then you write like, oh there's yeah, there's got to be these posters here and then I go back I pull the pages out and I go oh, yeah I drew Hitler here and then, playmate here and why do they do that (laughs) because now it's a pain in the ass yeah
0: like i mean we it doesn't go unnoticed though jeff it really Mm -hmm. doesn't man and it's so so appreciated this level of work you know i think i think about you a lot in terms of just the medium of comics because you because you make comics like hollywood could snap you up forever if you chose to do that but, but you still I, make but you make not anymore
1: maybe maybe one well, not now I'm a dinosaur because I don't work on computers and I'll tell you the secret I should probably shouldn't say this but that room yes this that right there that's that was those are the matrix offices they <laughs> <laughs> did like sketches of the place I thought it'd oh, be funny
0: it's so funny man heads coming through the desk you can read this thing five times and and see something different every time. Yeah, easily. Ten times, maybe.
1: When we get like the to the... Coloring, the coloring on this sign, that the the rust and the the, the you know the mist because I drew you know like everything's kind of falling apart because, because in my world everything people just kind of give it up and they just well if it breaks down well too bad we'll just you know no one's gonna fix anything.
0: I don't want to get too far ahead because there are some great payoffs with this major villain guy. And I want people to support the book. I want people to buy the book and best uh,
1: drawing in the book right there on the, uh, the right hand side. Yes.
0: There, <laughs> that <laughs> one.
1: And that's my homage to a, 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 Warner brothers, Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. Because there's one with Yosemite Sam where he's on a train and, um, and Yosemite Sam yells at uh, Bugs Bunny, draw! And Bugs Bunny draw, pulls out a piece of paper and he does a drawing of Yosemite Sam and hands it to him he goes, "Huh, not bad. And so he goes, let me, and he, t- he takes that thing, piece of paper, and he gets down on the floor like a little kid, and he's drawing, and he's scribbling and he holds it up, and he gives it to Bugs Bunny, and he looks like, uh-huh, uh-huh, it stinks. <laughs> it's always stuck with me. Yeah.
0: But I, I can comfortably say that we have not even gone to the tip of the iceberg in terms of visuals and in terms of grotesquerie. We'll leave it here. We'll leave it here because it's a big payoff when you flip the page from from this point of view and you get to see what the final big boss is. Uh, just an incredible comic. It is such a romp. Uh, in this age of comics that are driven by the writers it's such a breath of fresh air to have visually inspired comics jeff darrow is one of the few people doing them there are certain guys james Stoko, stokey however you say his name mm-hmm. brandy graham ma food there's very few people who are like driving the comics through the visuals and it's the most fun comics to to read and look at yeah, there's been a real uh,
2: split in that regard. And I think, like, once in a while we'll talk about Talking Head comics. Right. And I think that's driven by just the deadline and low advance. Yeah. yeah. And this is, yeah. like, such an opposite way of approaching comics. And, man, I'm grateful that these exist. Yes. <laughs> because, like, this is why I'm a comics fan.
0: Right. Let's take a look through the uh, some of the back matter here, man. Got the cover galleries. uh darrow this is your daughter right is this
1: yeah yeah,
0: yeah. How, does she draw digitally
1: uh yeah and on paper that one's on paper but yeah. She, yeah, she 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 works now on uh she's at a studio called rough draft she does character design she's done a lot of the character design on the new uh, futurama show
0: oh that's super cool yeah.
1: there we got a
0: got a couple yeah. fellas
1: mm-hmm. yeah I'm so happy that you put like you and, and Stan, and I and, and I always asked Jim, I was gonna ask him to put the Street Angel in there, but I thought if I ask him, I'll put him on the spot because maybe he wouldn't want to do it because it, it, it would, uh, be detrimental to the character
2: i regret greatly not putting street angel in there because like that's the ultimate team up for me a street angel shall (laughs) and cowboy but that's uh this is one of my favorite drawings i've ever done like like this just kind of worked out right if you look at old western stuff i feel like often like those old dime novels would have this kind of limited color palette stuff yeah yeah Yeah. so i was really happy with how this turned out but i i will probably do a street angel shall and cowboy drawing at some point
0: (laughs) (laughs) well next time Mm Katsuya you know yeah. I got this great sketchbook for, of his uh, from my last trip out there, and that, that's something I want to do an episode on. He designed the. Uh, do you remember Virtual Fighters, mm-hmm. the video game? Yeah. Like the the uh, I, th- I I think he might have done the characters, but he definitely did the artwork for like the um, game covers and stuff.
1: Baby O moon, really great stuff. And this is uh, uh, Simon Lee, Spider Zero. Uh, he does he sculpts all these things for you know these monsters for uh, you know aliens and uh, the films and James Heron. It really right. that's the first illustration he's ever done and, all, and that James Heron. yeah man.
0: oh you mean this is the Parker. first illustration Simon Lee's ever done yeah 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 oh, that's yeah. so cool yeah that that crab design's really great I love
2: the color contrast between him and the cowboy
1: and then we got Arthur, which was really lucky. I mean, my my editor, he was like, "I don't know." I said, "Arthur told me to do it." Goes, no, 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 "Leave him alone." He said he would do it, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I understand too. And he did it. And then I got this is the one on the on the on the right. That's the film director Choi Hark, who, who directed Once Upon a Time in China and Chinese Ghost Story and uh, Great Artist. He produced uh, um, the. John Woo's movies, the uh, Better Tomorrow, one and two and three, and uh, and he's a big comics fan. And uh, I asked him to do it, and he did a couple. He did a couple of them for me.
0: Man, that's sweet. That is awesome. And then we have the process stuff there in the back.
1: Right. This is neat.
0: <laughs> that was so cool. And and like, let's we'll just keep it on on this page. We won't get too too much deeper, but uh, it's buttressed with some thoughts and meditations on uh, what's going on in there, and. To see how you lay your stuff out is uh, very illuminating. Jeff, is yeah. this also your writing process? Like would this be a draft yeah. of your story?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I just know, you know, in my head, well, some this guy's gonna talk about this and he's gonna do that and you know, but that I don't sometimes you'll see things written there where will say something, but uh, I've got a few things like that that yeah, well, like, yeah, well, I think maybe it's in there. Maybe I didn't show it all.
0: Yeah, like, like I don't want to show all that stuff off, man. Just to give incentivize people to scoop it up. You know what? For sure, anybody that's watching this and you're a Darrow fan, or maybe you even have
2: the single issues, it's it's kind of worth it for this this backup to see the sketchbook writing mm-hmm. process. There's several pages of that, and it's illuminating. It's it's very different than what we end up with in terms of your it's, art it's, style. Yeah. But it's great to kind of see thought process being worked out on the on a, in a sketchbook.
1: And then you can look at it and go. Ah, uh, that's why it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't think it out very
0: clearly. And uh, the dedication for yeah. my brother, my teacher, my hero, Andrew Vax. Uh, at some point, Jeff, sooner than later, I would like to do an, an Andrew Vax episode, and I think I think we should have you with us mm. to just talk through his body of work, this the stuff that we have um, that uh, that that he's put out. Uh, because I think you you're a big part of uh, him getting involved in in comics, certainly with Dark Horse. And uh, the comics are kind of fucking badass, man. and he's a he's a real interesting guy. I've been listening to his audiobooks while while working, and it's the you know, he's very, very hardcore. like you yeah. you you read one and then you gotta go have some unicorn chasers afterwards, man, because of just the brutality yeah. and the stuff that yeah. that guy faced every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think Jimmy and I could do him justice to talk about him on our own. We would need you with us uh, at some point to just kind of yeah. talk yes. about his comics and how you know him and things.
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm amazed that I do because I'm such a goofball. And um,
0: he needed a little goofball in his life with the bullshit that I mean, uh, that he's he witnessed and dealt with in his day.
1: Yeah, I. I there's we were at San Diego. It, it, one year he won the, the Bob Clampett Humanitarian Award, and he was there for it. And he kept on I mean, the one that He cracked me up because he said, he said, he doesn't care about that kind of stuff. And he said, uh, you yeah, know, they gave me this Jed Clampett Award. <laughs>
0: and and
1: when it cracked me up. I said, one, it cracks me up that you called it the Jed Clampett, but it cracks me up that you even, you, that you would know who the Beverly Hills, because I wouldn't think he would have ever, ever. Uh, you know, know any of that popular culture? He's in. There used to be a TV show called Route 66, which is about two guys in a, a Corvette, 1963 red Corvette. And it's a great show because you see America in the 60s, and they filmed it all, all on um, on location. Peck and Pa did some of them. They were written by Sterling Seale, and they were just stories of. It. And he's in an episode. He's like a like a character in the background.
0: Does he got the uh, patch?
1: No, no, no! He got that later. He got uh, hit in the face with—I think it was like a motorcycle chain. Some guys. Uh, were, uh,
0: Yeah, that's yeah. one of those things that you learn if you if you if you meet a couple, you know, some lawyers in your life, especially criminal guys. Like, yeah, you have yeah. to work in an adjacent town. Like, there's a lot that ain't stopping them from coming to visit you after they get out and stuff. That, that that's for sure,
1: Jeff. Yeah. If you get a, I forget a minute to tell you a story about That's it. Right. <laughs> he, when we're sitting at San Diego, we're, we were talking about, I don't know how it came up, but there were like four of us at a table at breakfast. And I said, said, somebody, you know, um we're talking about sexual education and this. And that. I said, well, the sex education that my parents gave me, uh, I said, my dad's talk, the, the talk he gave to us, me and my two brothers was, He said, well, at one point we would go out and we'd we'd, love to collect reptiles and amphibians. we catch toads and frogs and this and that. And uh, we were out one Sunday and we saw this pond on this farmer's land. And we went down there. Maybe there's some frogs or toads down there. And the the water was just churning. And there's these toads in there. I mean, you could just reach down and grab some. We're grabbing them, hands and fists, pulling them up. But as I'm pulling them up, there's like one toad and he's attached to another one. A, a frog, and I'm like, I said, oh, they're giving each other's rides across the pond. They're riding piggyback. <laughs> I remember my dad laughing. And, and, and so years go by, and we're in the truck, and we're talking, he says, boys, I need to talk to you about something. He said, you know, um, it's about how children are born, babies are born. And he goes, do you remember those frogs that we caught back when in that pond? He said, yeah, no. He goes, they weren't giving each other piggyback rides they were making babies and that was the end of the talk (laughs) and i'm sitting there and i was telling this to andrew and i said and and suddenly i said oh my god i said i just realized something i said for years i thought you know as a kid i thought well i have to have sex with a frog to have a baby but i married a french woman and then we're doing oh my god (laughs) and you just like his face is just like what <laughs> <laughs> you're crazy man <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's hysterical man jeff thank you so much man shall and cowboy thank you began. thank you so
1: much for your support and your kind words it really means a lot to me because it's for me it's my for whatever it means it's my my best book i think
0: it's fantastic
1: yeah. action-packed
0: to say the least and it is out now it is fresh but all books and they, nowadays, they
1: once once these are gone they're gone cuz they won't reprint it at this uh, like this.
0: Yeah, I think that's the other thing too. It's a little bit bigger than comic size. It's a really oh, nice yeah, package. Bigger,
1: yeah.
0: uh, being oversized is a great way to show your work
2: for, you know, everybody watching. It's a great way to enjoy Jeff Darrow's work. So, as he says, like you have to buy these books when you get a chance because they do go out of print mm-hmm. and uh you know, hopefully we will see this reprinted in this beautiful format at some point in the future, but You can't guarantee that so pick this one up if you're on the fence about it and hey i have the singles issues in the book you know i mean it's it's a spectacular package thanks so much for coming by jeff
1: thank you for having me again